0: One, two, three,
1: four. You are listening to Skylet the skylight books podcast skylight books is a general interest bookstore in the los Feliz neighborhood in los angeles you can shop with us from 10 a.m to 10 p.m or visit us online 24 7 at skylightbooks.com follow along at skylight books instagram and twitter you can subscribe to the podcast on podbean itunes and spotify thank you for listening and now on to the episode Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Skylight Books Crowdcast Channel. My name is Natalie. I'm a bookseller and podcaster at Skylight Books. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I will be your host this evening. So I'm going to, without further ado, introduce you to our guests tonight. Rosecrans Baldwin is the author of The Last Kid Left, You Lost Me There, and Paris I Love You, But You're Bringing Me Down. He is a frequent contributor to GQ and co-founded the online zine, The Morning News. He lives in Los Angeles. Charles Yu is the author of four books, including his latest, Interior Chinatown, which won the National Book Award for Fiction. His fiction and nonfiction have appeared in a number of publications, including The New Yorker, The New York Times Magazine, The Atlantic, and Wired. And now you are going to get to talk to these lovely guys. Go ahead and take
0: it away. Thanks, Natalie. Thank you, thank you. Thanks everyone for coming out. Hello, Rosecrans. congratulations.
2: Thank you, Charlie, it is so nice to see you in your Zoom cave, in me and my Zoom cave.
0: Your Zoom cave has more books and a better background.
2: (laughs) I deliberately rearranged my Zoom cave to have the books in the background versus a very bright window that was gonna look awful.
0: Uh, well, well done. You look very well read. Uh, congr- and so this is publication day, right?
2: It is publication day. The book um, literally came out this morning. Uh, it is on shelves at Skylight and your local bookstore and all over the place. Um, and uh, I think we, you and I were talking earlier. It was a very surreal day because I woke up to find out that the New York Times um, had a among other places, had reviewed the book today and reviewed it positively. Uh, so it's kind of a mind melt today.
0: Uh, yeah, it's weird. That's, well, that's so exciting. I am thrilled to hear it. Uh, I'm glad they got it right. Uh, <laughs> it is a fabulous book. And I know sometimes we were talking about a little bit before, uh, you can be waiting on pins and needles, wondering when that Times review is gonna come out. you lucky yeah. to get one to get a a great one like that, which I, you know, I read the review, it is great. Uh, It's, and and I loved what they said about it, which is that you didn't try to write the definitive history of LA, you wrote something both deeper, and I would say, more, I don't want to say personal, but you wrote something that really um, uh, was quite an exploration. Um, Yeah, that's fair to say. Um, So, I just would love to hear you talk first about you know I was I skipped over my first question which is the obligatory how has the pandemic treated you <laughs> we can we can come back to that since we're <laughs> talking about the book let's talk about the book um, because who wants to hear about that honestly no. um, uh, how did this book happen what can you <laughs> tell us about it because it is such a you know unique. Uh, work. And I'd love to hear you talk about it.
2: Yeah, I would love thank you. That's a I would love to tell you Um, what happened was, um, we moved to Los Angeles about six years ago, um, my partner, Rachel and I, and I had these two very strange sort of um, epiphanies or ideas or thoughts pretty or feelings very early on into moving to LA. One, I felt like I was home which didn't make any sense to me, because I'm not from here. Unlike you, Um, I was born in Chicago, I grew up a little bit in Tennessee, I mostly grew up in Connecticut, I studied in other places, I lived in other cities, like, but I really didn't have any connection to LA. Um, But there was an intense feeling, like from the get go, that this was the place for me to be, and that I, I just had a really I don't know, not necessarily romantic, but just a a sense of gravity here. And two, I didn't understand it at all. Like I found LA confusing and maddening and beautiful and weird and enormous and so diverse. And I just got hungry to just learn everything I could about LA. So I just started reading every book that someone would recommend to me. I would go to the library, I would find novels and poetry and history books. And so over time, I started realizing that LA is so much bigger than all the cliches that are attached to it, but the cliches sort of linger, right? And that LA is very vast in ways that really resist single stories, that resist the idea that you can contain or explain LA. Like LA doesn't care about being explained. Um, And yet there's all these stories here that are sort of sitting there untouched. And so there was an article that came out in Forbes magazine in 2010 and it made the argument that the idea of a city-state, and so just really quickly, um, just to explain this, a city-state, the concept is the idea that there's a metropolis and a surrounding sort of area. It's uh, sovereign onto itself, has lots of trade, has a diverse group of people living there, depending on each other, depending on the resources nearby. Um, City-states were kind of how the world was carved up, right, before the world got turned into nations, that since... Really, as early as we've had civilization, there's been places that were just just we had empires, we had dynasties, but we didn't have, you know, this sort of just grid of countries that we have now. And the article made the argument that if we expanded the idea of a city-state, it might help to just get a grasp on some of the mega-cities of today. And it just really clicked for me because. Los Angeles for me and my experience, and again, it's just me and my experience It has nothing, everyone has their own experience. There's 20 million versions of LA based on the amount of people that live in the greater Los Angeles area. But for me, when you drive around and you go out to Azusa or you you're downtown or you're at a Dodgers game or you go up to Ventura or you go down to Long Beach and people in Ventura are probably gonna hate me now for suggesting that Ventura has anything to do with Los Angeles. But the idea is as you sort of roam around, there's a sense that this is all one place. Um, And it's a different place than New York and Boston and Philadelphia. It's a different place than Seattle or Miami. Uh, And so I just became really, really curious about learning everything I could about LA. And I just used the city state idea as sort of like a metaphor to just uh, go out there and find out more about Los Angeles
0: yeah uh, it is such an interesting metaphor you could you anticipated the next question which is what what did you mean you know um, so that's really all I had I mean this has been great <laughs> <by that time>. <laughs> <laughs> Can we just talk
2: about tacos now we were gonna you know but no 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 but seriously
0: <laughs> there will be time for tacos um one, one term that uh, you know you, that I learned from the book was the anthe anthropogeography, uh, I guess. Uh, and that kind of helped me as a hook into like, Oh, is that, you know, sort of what this book is, but I don't want to pigeonhole the book. I mean, how did you describe it? How do you describe it to people? How did you describe it to your editor slash agent, you know, and or agent like, how, how would you like if someone's saying, I want to read this, but I don't know what I'm reading? You know, what's your? Yeah, what's your, what's your yeah, pitch?
2: It's, it's tricky. Um, because I think ideally in my you know heart of heart or hope of hopes, this is a book for people that love Los Angeles. And this is a book for people that hate Los Angeles. Uh, there are people interviewed in the book who struggle between those two ideas. Um, I think when I talk about the book, it's kind of a, a story about a city that's told through its people because each chapter has sort of one, from, I think six out of the seven chapters has one significant person or character. Um, is someone that I just met over probably about three or four years of reporting and research that went into this book, uh, that I met that sort of. Represented something about Los Angeles to me and they were generous and kind enough to let me just sort of follow them around for a while and just interview them a ton and learn about their lives and now share it. So I think it's a little bit of a story of a city told through the people that represent it in different ways. Um, I think it's a little bit. I mean, I'm not a sociologist, I'm not trained in any way. I'm at best a hack journalist, Uh, you know, I'm just a very deeply curious person, I think. I think I really find people really interesting. And so Los Angeles offers an enormous amount of stories, an enormous amount of people that if you begin to sort of, it's like, I was just telling this to someone the other day, but like Los Angeles doesn't care that if if you don't try to enjoy los angeles you're not going to enjoy it very much if you don't sort of go out there and try to get it it's not going to give back much to you you can just sit in your neighborhood and um and that will be your experience uh but when you do begin to sort of reach out and embrace it and uh ask questions about it you get this enormous return on your investment i don't know why i went for a financial metaphor but (laughs) it's (laughs) it's like among the least things that i understand but um it is to me it gives back so much when you just give a little and it's just yet another reason why I love living here so much.
0: Yeah. When I think of LA, I think of ROI for sure. It's just all about what, what, <laughs> it, what are you giving me? Um, this point, <laughs> you quote Sam sweet that LA is not a city that presents itself to you. That's uh, right. It, it rewards you as you were just saying. So, I, and I love that. I think that's so true. That's when people come out from, you know, these Coast or, or wherever, and say where should i go what should i do i'm like uh i can't help you you know like i, yeah. I but you you're gonna it's a to
2: terrible work. place to be a tourist i would never wish this place upon someone as a tourist and it's, it's a secret i think about obviously though you know let's be real los angeles is a terrible place for many people it's got enormous problems it's got um i mean I, that's what i think some of the stuff i talk about in the book is that la isn't necessarily um if you're looking to explain the United States by staring at Los Angeles closely enough, it's not not going to be the solution to that challenge. It is, however, um, a place that contains, it's obviously the face of the homelessness problem that is right now afflicting so much, particularly of the Western United States. It is a terrible study in the climate crisis uh, and how we are being affected by it. It is the income disparity here is frankly, I mean, it's like disgusting. It is really, really gross. Uh, And I get into some of this stuff in the book, obviously I'm I'm dwelling on some of the problems right now because there's so many of them and that Los Angeles I think does bring to, Los Angeles, it's very hard to hide some things in Los Angeles, except money. Money gets hidden. There is so much wealth here that's buried away that people don't see. But a lot of the problems that in other places get tucked away here are really played out. Um, and there's good and bad about that, you know. Um, I don't know how you feel about that. I, I think I lost track of the question.
0: Yeah, no, I'm i i am I'm, I'm listening to you because I'm, I'm I, 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 I feel the truth of what you're saying. And I'm curious about where it comes from in terms of what do you think it is about L.A., especially having come here, you know, um, relatively recently, uh, that 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 gives rise to what what you're talking about, that certain problems play out here, whereas they could be tucked away. Is it that it's more spread out? Is it something culturally? Is it?
2: I think in part, we are um, helped is the wrong verb here, but we this is assisted by the vast numbers of people that live here in all strata of our economy. It is assisted by uh, the density and also the sprawl at the same time. There are certain neighborhoods that resist density that don't want to see apartments built up on top of you know bus lines or in their neighborhood, and there are certain areas that are ranches that have. I was I just was reading the other day about the enormous diversity of animals and uh, flora and fauna that exist in Los Angeles County. Apparently it is second only to Hawaii, uh, which I didn't, I know that how wild Los Angeles can be. If you just go for a hike in Griffith Park tomorrow, you might run into a rattlesnake, but it was sort of startling to me to hear that about Hawaii. I was like, wow. Mm -hmm. Um, So why we see these problems in Los Angeles versus more evidently than other places, I don't have a good answer uh, except I just know it in my bones and you drive around and you can see, uh, both the despair and, and the greed, and also just sort of the extraordinary beauty and the kindness between people. You know, it's not another person I interviewed, Kit Rackless, magazine editor, publisher, you know, he made the point that people here more or less live in harmony. Um, you know, you can read the news headlines and see terrible ideas about, you know, violence or disturbances or, social uprising. And that has all the positives and the negatives too, but, uh, people more or less live in harmony here. And that's not an easy thing or an automatic thing, I think for, a for a society. And it's just another thing that just makes LA so terrific.
0: You, you talked about, um, uh, you know, you mentioned there, there's a chapter that is centered around Skid Row and we can come back to that. I think you, you opened the book with this, uh, kind of incredible scene setting. You're at, uh, a hotel near LAX. Um, is it a hotel or you're in the basement? <laughs>
2: it's the hotel. hotel basement. Yeah.
0: Hotel basement um, with uh, what were you doing there? I'd love to hear you sort of <laughs> tell us about how, how did you find yourself there? And why did you open the book with this?
2: Yeah, I, I opened the book with it because um, in part, because it grabs people's attention. I'll be very frank with you. Um, it It is uh, it's a dramatic event. I, Got involved with a group that practices a certain radical type of self-help. Self-help, I think it's not, it's it's a cliche probably to say, but it doesn't mean it's not true that self-help is kind of a big thing in Southern California, perhaps more here than in other places. And it can have a lot of forms and some of them are woo-woo and some of them are quite beneficial. Not to say that woo-woo is not beneficial to people, but it has a, a gamut and this group uh, had the idea that uh, or it was suggested by their materials and you're going to notice me being very careful about my speech right now to avoid any legal entrapments. Uh, they had certain ideas about how your the things that have gone bad for you or wrong or perhaps you've just had real bad experiences in your life that they could sort of in a sense deprogram you and reprogram you into a better version of yourself and so this led to five or six days and nights of very intense group experiences with about 200 other people in a dark room in a basement where we are wailing and gnashing our teeth. And you're just hearing people talk about the most intense experiences and crimes and traumas of their lives. And meanwhile, we are being attended by a staff that i'm pretty sure had no medical training and no real training in psychotherapy and was just running us through these games and exercises that it turned out were based on a group from the 1970s and 1980s that achieved a huge following of uh by doing similar exercises and then basically again i think this is true, uh, got sued out of existence because of too many people who had very adverse reactions while doing their trainings with them. Uh, And so, yeah, so I did that for the book, among a lot of other things. Uh, And I have a feeling my parents are probably listening to this right now. So mom and dad, when I talk about the fact that I was screaming at you in the dark, it's true, but it was kind of concocted for the moment. (laughs)
0: um <laughs> uh, well that it's it, it is it does grab your attention uh it's, it's very exciting uh I, I won't spoil it um you you also write about a place that you know uh is has i, I have a connection to which is lakewood uh yeah uh, my parents briefly uh owned as a house in lakewood um and so i, I visited there my dad actually used to work near there. And, and, uh, what was it about Lake, you know, if if you're not from LA, or even if you are from LA, you probably, unless you have a specific reason to think about Lakewood, you, you know, it's not like, you know, Malibu or, you know, uh, it
2: doesn't roll off the tongue as like the top destination for people getting, you know, in a taxi at LAX, uh, Lakewood, uh, I was interested because of an author named DJ Waldie who wrote a magnificent book about Lakewood. Uh, Lakewood came into existence practically overnight. It was uh, a one of the first sort of manufactured communities. They were putting up houses at a ridiculous clip in land that previously had nothing there. And suddenly there were tens of thousands of houses and people lining up where they could pick out their cookie cutter home, but they had a variety of finishes and sort of a different layout. And Waldy has lived there all his life and worked in the city government, but also wrote this remarkable book about what it's like to sort of uh, live in essentially the suburb of suburbs. Um, And I just wanted to see it for myself. And so, you know, part of the process of this book was me just emailing and calling up and texting just dozens of people to see if they would just talk to me and give me an idea about what their experience of Los Angeles is like. And so I went down and interviewed him and spent a day just sort of driving around Lakewood and just the precision of that community, how it was laid out and seems so manufactured, but when you're going around is really genuine and there's like a real throbbing heart in that community And Waldy made a great comment to me, which is I asked him, you know, do people in Lakewood? So anyone who doesn't live here, doesn't familiar necessarily with the geography of Los Angeles. Lakewood is a community that's sort of in the southern um, part of Los Angeles. As you perhaps, if you're driving from Dodger Stadium, which is a landmark I use a lot in the book because of people just being familiar with it who live outside of Los Angeles. If you drive south from Dodger Stadium, you know, about 45 minutes to an hour later, you might be able to pull off, depending on traffic. For Lakewood as you're headed towards, for example, Long Beach. Um, and it is just this beautiful little community. And I noticed all these Dodger pennants and people with various team size, the same things you see anywhere else for, you know, if you drive for two hours in any direction. And so I asked Wally, I was like, does Lakewood consider itself part of Los Angeles? And he was like, no, we are not part of Los Angeles. There's no way we're part of Los Angeles. He's like, but we are part of LA. And we may admit that to ourselves grudgingly, but there is that sort of larger sense of identity, a larger sense of being attached, even if it's just an emotional thing, even if it's something times out of spite and not affection, that this megalopolis, this massive amoeba sort of has all these tendrils. God, I'm really botching my metaphors, but you get the idea.
0: Uh, No, uh, I think that's, uh, you know, this is something that the book does so well, um, which is it does feel like tendrils and you don't know where one's going to lead to another and you you weave the parts of it on sort of a macro scale, but also on a sort of paragraph scale. Um, yeah. So beautifully, it feels like what it is, which I think is a novelist and a journalist who's, who's just taking on a place and a topic and an idea in a lot of ways. Uh, and you 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 talk a lot in the book about uh, Octavia Butler um, and Joan Didion, and I think there are. It, it felt like I mean I guess I'm I'm about to just formulate an incredibly open-ended question that isn't really a question, which is how, how you know I, I have a list of things that I would like to ask you about, you know, Angela yeah. about you know Jen Tullock. I don't know if that's you know. Henry the gambler, but I don't know how to ask you questions other than just to say, you know, one, people should read the book. It's buy (laughs) buy everything now. Wait hold on. Let's
2: do product placement. This will feel super genuine right now. Hi. Oh, you mean this book? Nice. Nice. Okay. Now my publisher's happy. Great. (laughs)
0: Um, But I feel like I'm not doing it justice. And I I, I guess I want to, before I kind of move on to another set of questions is ask you what else in the book specifically or in your research or that you found that you you know would want to share
2: yeah well i you know a couple let's see because there's interesting there's a lot of interviews that didn't make the book um you know for example one that did make the book but since you brought him up earlier sam sweet um who is the author of all night menu i mean this is for anyone who's listening, who's an L.A. head who just enjoys learning or thinking or talking or complaining about Los Angeles. There's a guy named Sam Sweet who has done this wonderful series of self-published booklets called All Night Menu. You can just Google Sam Sweet All Night Menu. I don't know if any more of them are for sale. I hope so. But Sam has gone around Los Angeles for years. He's this remarkable amateur historian. And each booklet has eight stories in it, I think forgive me if I, Sam, if you're listening, if I get this wrong, but I think there's like eight stories in each one and each story, the title of it or the idea behind it is just an address somewhere in the vastness of LA. And then he walks you back through what makes that address special. It could be the skating rink where NWA arguably got its start. It could be an address where a famous painter on the west side sort of was working when people didn't know them to be famous. It's just this terrific way when we're so habituated in Los Angeles to thinking about our experience in terms of addresses and car trips and how long is it gonna get from me to over to my friend's place? And is my friend worth seeing if it's gonna be 45 minutes in traffic on a Saturday? Um, It's just a wonderful, so Sam is an example of just someone I just was lucky enough to be introduced to. Let's see, Um, I think, you know, who is really inspiring is um, Linnell George, uh, wonderful. One of my favorite L.A. writers um, who recently published a fabulous book about Octavia Butler and about Butler's process to creating herself. And so for anyone who doesn't know who Octavia E. Butler uh, is, perhaps one of the greatest American science fiction authors, Uh, first science fiction author to win a genius grant, um, not to mention really sort of one of the, you know, first black female or the first black female, um, science fiction author to break through author of blah, 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 so many amazing books. But as a Los Angeles author, it's hard to top her. I mean, there's not many who have had such a huge influence on the world, but also wrote from such a genuine, deep sort of like um, honesty about what the future may hold for us here. You know, like if you look at a book like Kindred or anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, I just, the question was open-ended and I took it to mean, what did I, who did I meet along the way? Or what did I find that was so fascinating? Um, I mean, like you mentioned the horse gambler, I mean, this is a guy who for different reasons has to be anonymous in the book or I, you know, he's under a handle, let's say, but it's just this horse gambler that I met through sort of connection, through connection, through connection, who just, I spent I think 12 or 14 hours going from bar to bar in the Valley where he was playing the horses, just trying to explain to me how the energy of someone who is a horse gambler is the same energy that makes Los Angeles thrive. And honestly, like the day after, once I was suitably not hung over and I th- looked at my notes and thought about it, he was exactly right. But it's just like, it took it, so it's finding all these people that their take on Los Angeles, their experience of Los Angeles, just helps give us one more voice to sort of understand a place that is un understandable. That's not a word. Uh, Undecipherable. Uh, a place that resists stories. you If you start to just, this is what my experience, what I found. The more voices I heard, the more I put them together, the more that I wove them inter uh with each other and i saw themes coming out it just started to help me understand the city better and that's what the book is i think
0: yeah yeah um that uh wouldn't fit on the back cover <laughs> yeah. you have to have these so that uh... you're such a jerk thanks Charlie. <laughs> no. i i i think this book really uh resists um easy summary, because it's so rich, I think it is uh, such and and you don't, as you were talking before about inequality, and in the section on Skid Row, but I'd say throughout, like maybe the last whole feels like the whole last quarter of the book, really, you're you're really tackling um, like you don't shy away from difficulty or from um, hardship, it's not uh, a kind of uh, rose tinted, travel log, uh, you know, of, of pretty places. And uh, so, I, I think it's a really um, important book for LA. And I, I will move from that to asking you a bunch of superficial lightning round questions, because I feel <laughs> fear okay. substance and, um, and I fear uh, <laughs> uh, uh, earnest uh, earnestness. So I, I, I'd like to I fear
2: is about to happen next. I don't know <laughs> where this is going. Okay.
0: Uh, no, I, I, I thought it'd be fun to, you know, get your take after having done all this research and/or just living here, um, for people to hear some of your takes on things. Okay. Um, uh, so it's lightning round, but you don't have to go fast. I go as I don't deep. Know i mean as long as you want
2: okay no no no. we'll see the first thing off the top of my head whatever comes it's gonna be Uh, be a nightmare i'm gonna get canceled for this i know (laughs) it
0: right um uh favorite
2: food truck favorite food truck um i have a google map so there's a one of the best sort of independent publications right now about los angeles is called la taco the website the reporting the merch everything's fabulous about it and they do a very good job of staying on top of they do news but they also obviously cover the taco lifestyle. So anytime that they cover somebody that sounds good, I have a Google map that's just tacos in for about, you know, 300 surrounding miles. Um, so I would say whatever they say is the best. so it's my favorite. Um, if I see a Kogi truck, I pull over. I love Kogi. I don't. I know they've been around forever. And they're one of the, sort of the, the kings of the taco truck scene. But I love Kogi. What can I say?
0: Yeah, why? Well, why well, can't go wrong? I mean, they kicked it off. Uh, did you say taco lifestyle? I swear you snuck. Yeah, there.
2: no, I think I think L.A. Taco probably has like copyrighted that phrase right now, the taco lifestyle. Yeah, if, if not, and I just did it, um, it maybe it's really cheesy, but I think I kind of lived the taco lifestyle.
0: I want to now. I <laughs> I heard you say it, and I was like, oh wow, that was one of those moments in life where like I see where the next phase of things is going. Now I should start. I, I will after this. I will message
2: you, and we will go out for tacos next week in Orange <laughs> County. That would be
0: uh, cool. Uh, favorite burger,
2: favorite burger. Um, I will be loyal to my lockdown experience around near where we live. There was a French restaurant called Papi, which has turned into a sort of burger pop-up called for the win. If you like a smash burger where it's like the patty has been smashed and sort of caramelized, um, uh, it is, I think the best smash burger, if not the best burger in Los Angeles right now for the win.
0: Excellent. Uh, Favorite bar?
2: Favorite bar. Uh, I love dive bars, so the drawing room in Los Feliz.
0: Ooh. Uh, best people
2: watching? Uh, the beach, any beach. Uh, Venice, obviously, Dockweiler. Um, yeah, I mean, not not Malibu. Um, but yeah, I'd say either Venice or Dockweiler.
0: Um, do you do yoga? Uh,
2: I've been trying to more with the pandemic, uh so is this like a best yoga question yeah
0: or place yeah i am
2: I'm, I'm 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 using youtube videos that i'm not paying for it's probably bad i don't know i'm i'm, I'm horribly unflexible so yeah no That's let's good answer. next one next one
0: i i also exercise on the internet uh
2: <laughs> that should be its own channel charles you exercises on the internet no, yes uh favorite hike Favorite hike. Uh, I just did the Backbone Trail. This is amazing. It's a 67 mile through hike. It's like a backpacking experience in Los Angeles. You start in the Palisades and you end up in Western Malibu four days later after 67 miles. Um, It's awesome. It is beautiful. It's strange. It's going in and out of sort of like private and public space. Uh, It's amazing. Yeah. The Backbone Trail. You can do it as day hikes too. You can chop it up. I did it it, uh, for a magazine article, but yeah. Whoa, camp.
0: wait, so you camped like
2: um... yeah. Well, so the trick is that some of the campgrounds that where you can normally camp are still closed because of the pandemic. So I did a combination of staying in camp like camping, so I had like a backpack and a tent and sleeping bag and backpacking and stove and not versus a regular stove, I don't know. and uh, you know, and so I was just bumping along, but I also uh, would stay at Airbnbs because the trail itself goes through private neighborhoods. So if you're willing to sort of like hop off the trail and walk a mile, you can usually find an Airbnb pretty close. Oh,
0: that's neat. Did you do this solo or did you do this? I
2: I did it solo except for the last night and the last day when my friend Victor came along. Uh, I also was wearing boots that were too small, super, super dumb mistake. And so my friend Victor very graciously bought me, brought me a uh, pair of sneakers because my feet were bleeding monsters.
0: Yeah, so Uh, hi. (laughs) when when does that are are you allowed to say that's for travel and
2: leisure magazine and i think it's going to be out this fall um yeah cool
0: yeah um best freeway best
2: freeway um gosh um okay this may be a hot topic but it's not just one freeway but i really like And maybe this is controversial. I really like the interchange of the 101 and the 110 downtown, you know, like the nightmare where it's just sort of like this super um, chaotic, stressful, jammed, you have to cross seven lanes at a time. And so does everybody else. And it's just awesome. It is just like a beautiful uh, example of chaos. Uh, So I like that. I don't know. I mean, I also like yell at it, but um, can we do the can we do the worst freeway
0: yeah we can do that i hate
2: well. the five i hate the five the five is trying to kill me and it's trying to kill everybody else it's the 405 obviously is a nightmare but the five is is evil
0: um oh i missed one best view best view
2: um okay uh glendale uh mount um mount tom uh at sunset it's mount tom the hike up to the top of mount tom is just it's uh it's literally just like walking up a very steep pair of set of stairs but when you get to the top if you're there at sunset you can see basically the county below you and then you can see griffith park and griffith park doesn't have lights at night except in a couple little spaces but it's generally dark and so at night at sunset the rest of los angeles greater los angeles is this vast you know, sea of lights. And then there's this, like, this dark island in the middle of it, which is Griffith Park, which is, the, you know, this extraordinary place. And it just looks like you're in the ocean and staring at, like, I don't know, Hawaii, or just, like, this dark island. It's it's really beautiful. Uh, yeah, so Mount, uh, Mount Tom at sunset,
0: or after sunset. Great answers. I, I would, um, all of my answers would have been within 200 yards of my house. So, um, <laughs> mo- best random thing. Best random thing. Um,
2: uh, best random thing, but I'm going to come back to all night menu. I'm going to just plug Sam really hard. Uh, it's a great independently published set of booklets about LA. It's fabulous. All night menu by Sam sweet.
0: Okay. Here's a little bit of a reach, but
2: you don't have to answer best. Liminal space. Best liminal space. What is a, what is a liminal space? I'm not being an asshole. I really, I'm I, I kind of
0: being one. So, uh, <laughs> like, place between like it's not really a place like i i think of you know like uh yeah
2: okay yeah a place that's not really a place in los angeles is the best place that's not really a place in los angeles clearly i'm stalling up uh, hollywood Um the hollywood i say that because um i remember shortly after we moved here and we were mentioned to someone at a lunch or something that we lived in hollywood he was like he was really condescending he was like hollywood doesn't have anything there's like no character to it um Mm -hmm. there's no soul to it and i mean maybe that's true as a neighborhood but it's really not um and hollywood has like extraordinary history i'm I'm, like really talking about the neighborhood not the movie business not tv like f all that and i'm even talking i'm talking about like the you know the normal tourist traps on sunset or hollywood but like when you actually explore the neighborhood a little bit it's a really diverse really interesting community with all these little strange pockets of Really good, like Russian delis with strange desserts. Strange to me, they're not strange probably to a lot of Russian people that shop there. Um, and but it's just I like Hollywood. I don't know, yeah. But it's not a it's it's a real neighborhood, but it's also an idea. It's also got this stupid enormous sign. It's just it's a really I like bizarre places. I like places that are just have so much to look at.
0: Best uh,
2: month uh, April. <laughs> Fair. But, I mean the weather's pretty great in April. April May. April yeah. May. Yeah. Uh
0: and one last one, uh, because I think I've beaten this horse. Uh <laughs> best thing to do on a Sunday.
2: Oh, uh best thing to do on a Sunday. Hang out with your friends, man. Uh, I don't know about you, but after this pandemic, after lockdown, after everything that we've all been through in our own individual you know, deeply internal experiences. I just want to be around people. So, yeah, being with friends or strangers, I'll take strangers.
0: Yeah. Either way. Um, and you've already recommended some, I have only a few minutes left before we go to Q and a, and I am yeah. eager to ask you so many questions, but um I guess I have to ask the question obligatory. Uh, what do you think about Coach K retiring? I respect don't have to.
2: respect for any of my like my w- my wife's family. They're just you're just gonna you just like sold out all of your books. They're just going to, you know,
0: <laughs> good. Good job. Good job. Um, What what have we what have I not asked you that you'd like to talk about the book and or. Um, yeah, I I mean, I'd love to hear more about just what, what I've missed and what, I don't,
2: I, I, I hate to say no to this, but I don't think you missed anything. I, your questions were all great. I, I, I hate hearing myself talk. Like I'm a, I'm much more comfortable asking people questions and listening than being the one doing all the talking. So, um, I don't know.
0: Um, what are you working on next?
2: Um, Right now I'm working on promoting this book, which means that anyone who follows me on Instagram, I'm really sorry about just being a deluge of self-promotion. Other stuff, uh, there's some magazine articles in the work. There's some stuff that Rachel and I are doing in terms of uh, screen work. Um, And there is a book that has a glimmer in my eye that I just can't figure out yet that uh, let's see how it is a sort of murder mystery Erotic thriller set in rural France. Um, Yeah, I yeah, I'm I'm really uncomfortable talking about that in public because it's really just a really bad draft on my hard drive. But yes, that that seems to be something.
0: That's that's more than a glimmer in your eye. I think (laughs) it's exciting.
1: Hi, folks. Thank you guys so much for the conversation so far. We've got some questions here that thought I could jump in and ask you. Uh, The first one is what was the biggest surprise about the people you met or the places that you went?
2: I think the biggest surprise among the people that I met, which is, um, which stands out to me more between the two questions is how different people's experiences of Los Angeles are. There is no, single experience here. And I, I I feel like this might seem kind of basic as a response, but in discovering that what LA means to people is literally you know, as, as individual as the millions of people that live here, there are very few things that connect everyone. Um, and it was extraordinary to hear how different each person's experience of living in Los Angeles was for joys and highs and pains and lows. And there were certainly things that connected them. Um, and I've tried to sort of draw those out in my book, but it really brought me back to the idea that this place is a very different kind of city than, Yes, obviously in New York, everyone's got their own take on New York. In San Francisco, you know, not everyone works for Silicon Valley, I don't think. But uh, in Los Angeles, there's just a sense of people sort of uh, living on the edge uh, was a unifying common thread, whether that is uh, on the edge of great success or on the edge of just everything falling apart. Um, and then also there's a great humdrumness to Los Angeles. So sometimes it feels like nothing's happening here and sometimes it feels like everything is happening all at once. Uh, So, but again, it was really about the variety of people that I was just so blown away by and really, I really treasured.
1: What was the first thing that struck you about LA? Uh,
2: It smelled like flowers. Uh, That was weird. It was like, like week one, I was driving, I was in traffic. I think I might've been on the 101 and it smelled like flowers and it didn't look like flowers. Uh, there's a sort of city planner in the book that I interviewed named James Rojas who uh, talked a lot to me about in the city, in the book about how Los Angeles is a gritty place, right? There's, it's not cozy is the word that he would use. Um, and that by cozy, meaning partly an aesthetic thing, that certain cities have a filigree aesthetically uh, that suggests warmth. Um, and Los Angeles doesn't do that. Los Angeles is concrete and grit and sand and barbed wire. Um, and harsh temperatures and, and harsh surfaces. But at the same time, there is extraordinary social capital. There's extraordinary warmth from people. Uh, there's a general sort of niceness and kindness uh, once you get past people's tough exteriors. And he really localized it. He's a city planner from originally from um, East LA. And he spent time in Paris and he went to MIT, but he came back here and was talking about how in particularly in Latino neighborhoods in Los Angeles, you just see so many people out in their front yards or on their front porches or out sort of interacting with one another in a driveway or on the sidewalk or in the front yard. And it's not a closed society. It's not a hidden experience. And that is something that is just really warm and special in a way that is just, you don't see necessarily in other places, but flowers, the smell of flowers was strange
1: what advice would you give to a recent transplant trying to feel more at home in la of course after reading this
2: book (laughs) nice great plug um just what works what has worked for me to make los angeles meaningful and to develop a connection was really getting out there and um Realizing that I, am, unfortunately, because I'm not inclined to do this naturally, that I needed to be the one to put a foot forward. Um, and by virtue of putting myself into places, I just found it so much richer. Uh, a very quick example would be last night I went out for a beer with a friend that I made by virtue of both of us, him working, me volunteering at Dodger Stadium uh, during the testing and vaccination um, period there at the stadium. And I did it. Kind of on a whim a friend of mine told me if i did it i would get a free hat It's this is not a joke i honestly like free hats that much um but i but i also wanted to do it because my friend was doing it and i just suddenly met all these people that i never would have met before and it became this extraordinarily rewarding experience that i did just every saturday i was a saturday volunteer but through this bizarre last 18 months it became by the more i guess the advice would be and i hate giving advice because i'm the last person who should give it but you know the more that you can put yourself out there and risk a little bit of vulnerability, it seems like the rewards can be pretty big.
1: How was it writing a book during COVID when you had to spend a lot of time with other people in different parts of the city? Would the book have been different pre-COVID?
2: You know, I got really lucky in as, okay, that sounds weird, but I'll explain. I got lucky in as much as the book was pretty much already written right when lockdown clicked in like I was at that moment essentially sort of editing entering the editing phase with my publisher and so I was very very fortunate that all of my reporting why I had to be in person with people was pretty much done and I still had enormous amount of reporting to do over the phone um, but that I could do obviously when I'm just staring at the same four walls all day Um, so I was I just got lucky there I'm not sure if I had been if I had sort of set this whole thing up and then I was like scheduling all these interviews and then we just went into lockdown, I would have been, uh, I would have been in trouble. So I got, I got lucky.
0: Can I ask a follow-up? Yeah. What um, do, are you going to get to do in-person events like this fall? I mean, publishing a book is so exciting and I'm just, vicariously living through you because I just feel like this day is such a great day and you woke up to a rave in the New York Times. So, (laughs) What do you get to do? Do you get to go to festivals? Are you going to do reading? I mean, this is also wonderful. I have to say I've done a ton of zooms. I think they're I I hope they actually keep going because I think there's so many events that work well online as as well. But in person, you know, I'm just curious, what is your book tour? year look like
2: yeah there, there really isn't anything it's a lot of this stores are only gradually starting to reopen and they're having to figure this out and um i do know i have one event that's in public in person it's going to be in july for anyone in los angeles uh there is a wonderful place in los Feliz called the philosophical research society i will be in conversation on stage there uh, you can find Rosecransbaldum.com, just click events, it's there, um, but that's the only, right now, Charlie, the only in-person event that is scheduled, you know, knock on wood, fingers crossed, there is a chance for more, because like you, you know, the, one of the best parts about publishing a book is meeting people that are excited to read it or don't know anything about it or have read it and they have opinions, uh, they loved it, they hated it, they just want to let you know, and so the festival circuit, as far as I understand, is not, nothing's sort of on the books at this point, but, you know, we'll see.
1: And I think we have one more question. It also seems like a pretty great one to end on. You talked about a sense of harmony, but many would say the city is pretty segregated. Yeah. Where can you find oh. a cross-section of people coming together in a way that's uniquely LA besides freeways and taco trucks?
2: Besides what was the last part? Besides what?
1: Freeways and taco trucks.
2: It's a great question. It's actually a question. Yeah, come, I, it's a question coming out I post of this. to a lot of people. I'm sorry. Go no no. Go. Coming out of this <laughs>
1: I was just going to finish coming out of the pandemic we're all like Charlie just mentioned back out of virtual events how do we how do we find those in person or liminal spaces to find our ways to come back together now
2: I'll tell you so it was a question that I posed to a lot of people because Los Angeles is extraordinarily segregated and it has a great great meaning large history of segregation particularly um in certain pockets of uh, of the city but it's not a place where it's you know that it's hidden at all um and i one of the people that i interviewed that was sort of the most astute and just had so much to say about this was aaron kaplan aaron kaplan was a longtime reporter and writer and columnist and essayist for the los angeles times and uh most recently is now a columnist for the new york times Um uh, and she lives in Inglewood and was really generous with her time with me. And we were having this conversation and I think the place that she pinned down is the place where everyone meets is the beach. And I know that sounds a little bit obvious or easy, but the truth is there aren't many places where people, you know, gather, except lately, frankly, in the protests that rose up, you know, in response to the murder of George Floyd and other black Americans by the police. And you saw, you know, in the protest march, you saw these extraordinary diversity of people, people meeting and coming together for that. But now that we're here, yeah, I don't know. I think everyone needs to grab a bathing suit or not, you know, maybe you need to just grab an enormous shawl, whatever it is that gets you to the beach. Uh, I think the beach is a space where people, you know, can be, I don't know, Freely mingling among all their weird, you know, neighbors. Um, But other than that, Los Angeles kind of lacks for those common spaces. It would be extraordinary if we had more of them.
1: And do you guys have anything else you want to share? Any last questions that came up before we close up?
2: Uh, Charlie, tacos next week?
0: Yes. uh, I think that sounds good. (laughs) 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 uh, On the freeway. On the five. On the five. Great. Nightmare.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you both so much for joining us. Thank you again from Skylight Books and the LA Public Library for co-sponsoring with us. Thank you to all our guests who joined us here tonight. And make sure to buy your copy of Everything Now uh, from Skylight Books. And the replay of this conversation will be available shortly.